Light can be anywhere. And, um, but it, this type of thing really pulls a neighborhood down quickly because people start leaving. It just has gotten awful. It's just like, uh, you know, we are just uh, the forgotten people. The county's um, inaction on the blight is, is self-defeating because <laughs> they keep raising the taxes. The, ho the home values keep going down. If the home values would stay where they were or they would increase, then it would be better for them too. So I, I think making the priorities is very clear as downtown. And because of that, you know, um, you know, it put a strain on the communities on the outside. So we've got to finally realize that we've got to be more proactive about it. We can't just let things sit and wait for somebody to come in. We've got to get out there and do it. I'm Samantha Max, and you're listening to Building Blocks from Blight, telling the story of Blight in Macon, Georgia, one block at a time. It's a podcast from The Telegraph and Macon.com. Each episode, you'll hear from residents who have watched their neighborhoods disintegrate, deteriorate, and disappear before their eyes. But you'll also hear about what they're doing to renovate and revitalize the communities they call home. Episode 5, The Voices of Bibb County Blight. Frank Austin is the director of Making Bib Shalom Zones, an organization that trains residents in some of the county's most vulnerable neighborhoods to work together to combat the issues facing their communities. So we have conducted over 300 community cleanups in Macon Bill. Um, uh, for his volunteers, I think we touched over 10,000 volunteers. We, uh, we put together volunteers from the community and partnered with different resources on, on the outside. The Shalom Zone is all about system changes. Uh, so the community was selected because uh, uh, we took a look at the poverty rate. We, talk, we took a look at the blight uh, issues. We took a look at the crime rate. And based off the communities that uh, had a high, um, high level of these, those uh, uh, factors, we kind of selected the communities. When we first started, it was myself and one person in Village Green. Um, I was told not to go into Village Green because, you know, so at that time it was known as gang green. Uh, gang violence was just horrendous. Um, the, um, so when I went into Village Green, I was able to start talking with the residents, uh, started forming our first coalition uh, within, you know, that particular area. Uh, it started with one person and it was, uh, the process was very frustrating at that particular time. Uh, a lot of the community resisted uh, because there was a custom to people coming in and leaving. So that was used to uh, people inserting themselves and just leave. So it, it took a while to build the trust in the coalition. So I, I think I think um, I, th I think the trust came from being consistent. Um, blight didn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, uh, trust mistrust didn't happen overnight. So it took time being consistent and being uh, visible. Uh, you know, I'm in your community. We're working in your community. So you know, you know, rolling up your sleeves. Uh, you know, having uh, real conversations about real issues, and but be solution driven. You know, don't get bogged down in the issues. How can you know? How can we take that issue, understand it, and work past that, or work through that piece in order to get that? I think just consistency is important. That build trust. You know, I'm I'm over a decade in in all these communities, so they they know that I'm coming for 
a purpose that's going to empower the community. So I think that's 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 the key is being consistent and, and and just taking people for face value, you know, meeting people where they are. Marjorie Harrison has lived in the same White House with towering columns on South Northwoods Drive in North Macon since 1965. I've lived here since 1965. <laughs> uh, it's an older home. It was built in '52. I had one little girl and my son was just a baby and we needed more space for one thing. Well, my husband had taken, he worked at Warner Robins and he took some man home that lived out here and he saw the for sale sign. And he came home and he said, I found you a house. I don't think we can afford it, but it's got a magnolia tree and a front porch. <laughs> that's that's my love, it's a porch. and. and uh, Anyway, it's been a wonderful neighborhood. It's close to town. It was quiet. We had Tinsley School right there. And uh, it's, it's just close to everything. It was quiet. and We would have loved it. But she's worried about the future of this quiet enclave off Pierce Avenue. The brick house next door has sat vacant since the owners moved into a nursing home a few years ago. And a man tried to buy this place. And they said, oh, no, we can't buy that. He's in a nursing home. So I don't, I don't know. They can just go let it rot. They could sell it. He was going to buy it and fix it up and resell it. But I don't, I don't understand why they just let it sit there. So now I know of two people in the neighborhood that are going to move. <laughs> they said it's just going to go down, down, down. Yeah, I don't know what else to do. I've been to everybody in the city. One man came out. And he says, well, there used to be five of us, and I'm the only one left. And um, he said, I just can't get around to everything, but there's really nothing I can do for you. Blight can be anywhere. And, um, but it, this type of thing really pulls a neighborhood down quickly because people start leaving. And everybody I talk to says they're moving to Monroe County. They're sick of taxes. And... I mean, just like the garbage. They went up on the garbage tax. They went up on the regular, what do you call them, taxes. And the service has gone down. But I don't know I mean, what the answer to blight is. But if they don't catch it, nip it in the bud, like doing something with this place, then it escalates. And... I know that they are trying to do some whole neighborhoods right now, but uh, that that is really not the way to do it. To me, you need to start wherever there's good stuff and there's one thing that is messed up, correct that before it just escalates. It's my opinion. <laughs> but they're not interested in my opinion. Uh. Well, I've been living in this area and up here for 50-some years, and uh, me, her, and her, we have been neighbors. That's Connie Hike. She and her neighbors, Joanne Reeves and Ida Mae Floyd, have lived on a quiet side street in Unionville for decades. Neighbors, and up in this area, it's a quiet area. We don't have, you know, any problems up here because we all try to look out, you know, for each other. But our problem is, is the blank houses. Uh, it just 
it just has gotten awful. It's just like, uh, you know, we are just uh, the forgotten people. Because uh, you call, you try to get the commissioner, uh, he won't answer the phone. And uh, it's just frustrating. I've been in this, on the street uh, for 19 years now. That's Reeves. Um, I've seen a lot of, well, several houses on this street in particular that been burnt down, been uh, uh, broken into, and what have you. People sleeping in the, sleeping in the abandoned houses. Burn them down. Yeah. So, um, I'd like to see a change in this area myself, too. I mean, we, de we deserve that. We are, like Ms. Connie said, we are also taxpayers, and we deserve the same treatment as anyone else. When uh, we moved in this neighborhood, it was it's, it was nice. It was quiet. Uh, everybody uh, knew each other. They tried to keep their property up and all. And uh, on the corner down there, we had some apartments that they built down there. They uh, burned up or somebody set them afire. And would you believe they have been there at least about about 10 or 15 years sitting right there. Nothing has been done done to it. They haven't tried to tear them down or anything yeah. else. We have apartments back here. Uh, nobody's in them. Uh, the grass has grown. They are just sitting there. Not too long ago, the house up here on the corner, it got burned, burned up. Somebody sat in the fire. Uh, nothing has been done about that. It's one up above her. It was burned down. It's been sitting there for a couple of years. Sometimes we are hearing gunshots and people arguing and um, just all sorts of things. Um, got people living living in the abandoned houses, mm -hmm. so you never know what you're gonna wake up to the next day. So, well, you know, yeah. Well, now I'm laying in the bed. I hear people shooting all back there. That's Floyd. Mm -hmm. You know, look the way that bullet going. Are you guys scared for your safety? Well, not, not really. I'm not because I keep my doors locked. And I tell you, if anybody come in my house, I'm going to defend myself at any cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't live in fear, per se, but yeah. I am cautious all the time, you know. And we look out for one another uh, on this street. I, I sort of limit my my um, friends uh, or, uh, from coming sometimes because I'm like, you know how some people they would try to judge you based upon where you're living. So they see abandoned houses and burnt down houses. They kind of judge you uh, unfairly. Yes, because they think that we are all uh, what they call hood. hood rats, but we are not. We are respectable people, and uh, it seems like we don't get uh, really uh, the recognition that we deserve. Because when uh, people ride through on this street, even though it's a really nice street, uh, they judge all of us by how the black houses we have on the street, and you have people up in this area try to keep their property up and all. But uh, it seems like uh, we are just judged uh, with everybody. Yes. And it's not true.
it's just been just an ongoing thing with nothing being done. Mm -hmm. And it's just like uh, we are the forgotten people, but we pay taxes like everybody else, and uh, they should be concerned about us too. Patricia Westfall lives in a posh 3,000-square-foot home along Lake Tobosofki in West Bibb County. This custom-built house is not the image that comes to mind when you think of blight. But her next-door neighbor's house has been empty for 14 years, and she's afraid the dilapidated structure is going to take the neighborhood down. If we'd known he was going to die two years after we moved in, we would have never built him. Never. Because that's just been, you know, an albatross for 14 years. I mean, we have king snakes come out from over there, which thank God they're king snakes, because usually if you see a king snake, there's no poisonous snakes around. But who wants to see king snakes crawling across their front driveway? It's, it's not that it's just an eyesore. It's not that, you know, I mean, financially it's costing us money because we're not going to be able to sell our house, number one. Number two, you know, you get tired of paying to spray your yard because of their problem, and it's just going to fall down. And then when you contact the city or county or commissioners or whatever, they're going to go, well, we don't have the money to hold it off. We'll do something before it does that. You know, I, I don't understand. I've contacted Lake Tobosofsky. I've contacted Plan and Zoning. I've contacted Inspection and Fees. I've contacted um, Joe Allen. Tried to call Robert Rickert. I've probably called him 150 times over the last two years. I hadn't heard from the man yet. And that's, that's Macon. You know, you never get to the right person, or if you talk to this person, it's past the book to that person, and that's really not the right person. And then you get passed to somebody else, and then finally they say, we'll call you back, and you never hear from anybody. It's like I've never heard from Robert Rickard. So I guess my last question is just, why have you stayed in Macon all this time? That's a good question. We've wondered that ourselves. <laughs> You know, it's just, I don't know, it's frustrating, it's aggravating, it's heartbreaking, it's whatever. Because like I said, you know, we thought this was going to be our forever home. And, you know, every time I walk outside and I'm doing yard work and I look over there and, you know, you're kind of thinking, what's the point? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they drive down and these three houses look really good and then that. And it's sad, but that's making Deborah Rollins is the executive director of Rebuilding Macon, a nonprofit that repairs the houses of local elderly and disabled homeowners who can't afford to renovate them on their own. In her 22 years with the organization, Rollins has helped to repair hundreds of homes throughout the county. It's kind of hard to be a good citizen if you aren't helping other people, and this is the way I can do it. I'm not. Um, real good at taking care of babies, but I love taking care of houses. So that makes it fun for me. It means they can stay in their house. It means they can function. So it does mean the world to them. And we get some great thank you letters. We get some, a lot of hugs. These are people that have worked hard all their lives. Most of them have worked for minimum wage. And they've been trying to take care of a house, but now they're living off Social Security. For my average lady, Social Security is about $780 a month. It's tough to take care of a house and something like that. So, so many of the people we worked for, they were the lunchroom lady, or they were the lady that worked at Wendy's for the last 20 years. Um, these are women, and I say women because 80% of the work we do are for female-run households. 
Um, these are women that have raised children. They've been a big part of our community. Um, like I said, most of them have worked minimum wage jobs and done the best they can. And that's who we want to help. And we've got 250 on our waiting list, so there's always something to do. Well, I think we've hit the peak of the worst of it because we now are being proactive with it. We are getting houses torn down. But we're making up for the, the sins of our past. We um, are having to make up for 40 years of neglect from the right organizations. Um, we are losing part of the battle in that code enforcement with the city has been reduced. The staff there is fighting a major battle with fewer people than they've ever had. So we've got to finally realize that we've got to be more proactive about it. Can't just let things sit and wait for somebody to come in. We've got to get out there and do it. But we are moving along. It's just so overwhelming at this point. Um, my idea or theory is we need 300 bulldozers for 300 days. We need more resources. We need more help. But the, the biggest thing is we need more organization to keep things from overlapping. What I actually want to see is a lot less. A lot less abandoned houses. A lot less desperate houses. Um, in economics, the rule is people prefer more to less. So maybe I prefer more empty space, more space that's taken care of and loved. Um, more people taking pride in what we've got. I like to quote our Robert Rickard likes to say, I can make the value of your house go down just like that. All I've got to do is abandon the house next door and the value of your house goes down immediately. But it also works the other way around. Um, if one person fixes up their house, the next person wants to fix their house. So it kind of has a cascading effect. One year, um, we had a team captain just call me and said, Deborah, I want to go paint a house. I bought the paint for him. He and a buddy went out there and they put a sign in the front yard, come help us paint your neighbor's house. And he had 20 neighbors come and help paint that house. Um, nothing planned, just said, here's what we want to do. Come help us do it. So um, it does have a good effect. It makes people take pride in what they do and want to help their neighbor. Kim French has worked on the same street in historic Vineville for four decades. When she first got a job at the Advanced Bureau of Collections office on Lamar Street while in high school, every house on the block was occupied. But over the years, as homeowners have passed on or moved away, French has watched the once beautiful historic homes fall apart before her eyes. They're dilapidated, overgrown, almost forest-like. Uh, some of them, even though you can see remnants of an old um, shotgun house here and there, whose people who, um, you know, loved and cared for those homes are long gone. And uh, for whatever reason, they're uh, either the person they rented from or their uh, ch children uh, did not see fit to maintain. So French decided to start cleaning things up herself. I've worked here forever and I've watched all these beautiful homes just fall, they're just falling down around us. And so I thought, well, 
you know, sometimes if you just see one person trying to do something, others will join in. I'm, I'm working on the right of way. Um, and so I'm not really on anybody's property. I'm on the city property. And um, I just could not imagine that anybody would have a problem with me cleaning up the curb. <laughs> I mean, you're not doing it, so why would you have a problem if I help you make your property look better? You know, it's just, there are, there are many people just like me, you know, who um, are getting out there and, and doing the dirty work. And then there are a lot of people who are just shaking their head and wringing their hands. And, um, you know, worry just takes away your joy of the day. So you should get out and, you know, make something happen. We just need people to care about what they own. And if they don't, well then allow somebody to purchase it that has a vision for it. I, I feel like some of the people who are just sitting on, you know, these awful looking properties, once other people take a step and start doing positive things, then maybe they'll start doing positive things because now they'll see that their investment is, is possibly going to have a return on it. But it's, it's just got to take one person or two people to make that positive impact and get things going. Building Blocks from Blight is a production of The Telegraph and Macon.com with support from Report for America and the News Collab at Arizona State University. This episode was written and produced by me, Samantha Max. Our music is by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. Find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And check out the written series that accompanies this podcast on Megan.com. 